0: Welcome to all those joining us for the Shir and Chaim O'Haran. We're up to the section that deals with the stories surrounding the chapters in the Emran, Sa Sashayocham La Rois, paragraph 50. Before we begin, we dedicate the Shir today, Li Nishmas, Dvoi Bas Reb and Toy Bas Reb And also it should be a zechus for Gavriela Soro Bas Talia Rivka, for her Zivu Koshe Rab Nosenzal says, when we heard from Rav chapter 10 in the second half of Likut Imran, which begins with the words, Hu mm-hmm. rak Here in Chaim Aran, it's paraphrased, but I'm quoting exactly the wording there in Likutimran, where Rav said, the fact that people are distant from Hashem and they don't come close to Hashem is only because they don't have Yeshuvadas. People don't allow themselves the luxury of being able to think, think a little bit. What is the purpose of my life? What am I doing? Where am I going? And this term Yeshuvadas in Breslov is used very often together with Hispodidus a person spending time alone, completely alone, with Hashem and using that time as an opportunity to think big, to think uh, about what purpose of life and, and to review the good things that I'm doing and the things that, that I shouldn't be doing, things that need to be corrected, etc. So Rav Nassar writes that in that chapter Rav also speaks about simcha, he says that in order for a person to be able to have this kind of yeshuv the person has to be in a happy frame of mind. Because when a person's not happy, it's moich and katnos. They can't really think big. They can't think about things like this, about purpose of life. And Rav Sal points out that when Rav gave over this shir, he was sitting outside the shul by the wall and sitting on a piece of wood that sticks out, that stuck out from the foundation, from the beams of the foundation. And Rav Zal says that Rav Zal very often would sit out there, sometimes on the south side of the shul, sometimes on the north, sometimes east, sometimes west. Sometimes he would be inside the, the main sanctuary of the shul, and there are times that he would go for a walk with us on the mountain outside the city. And there are times that he'd be pacing back and forth in the shul itself. And Rabbi Zal says, in all of these places, we heard incredible, awesome chidushim, revelations of Torah, and very holy discussions, things the like of which haven't been heard in a long time. And he says that even after Rabbeinazal contracted tuberculosis, which was during the last three years of his life, he would go out of the city very often to go for a walk or in a wagon in order to get air, and we would travel with him. And again, during those travels, we heard a tremendous amount of Torah from him. And now he goes back and says, that Rabbein really stressed <coughs> very much the topic of Simcha, and he encouraged us tremendously to be very strong in this area about always being happy. And Rabbein points out, especially after Rabbein returned from Lemberg, where he had received this diagnosis of the tuberculosis, from that point on, he spoke to us often and gave us tremendous encouragement about Simcha. And one of the things he pointed out is that we have to be very, very happy about the fact that we're not to be from those who oppose him, who are misnagdim to Rabbein And he quoted the Pesach that we say in davening in Uvol Boro Baruch Shebranu shebronu lechvoidoi Vivdi menatoim, Blessed is Hashem, who created us for His honor, and He set us apart from those who are off the path. And the word toyim is plural, and Rabbi Enzal pointed out this refers to two types of toyim, two types of people that are off the right path. Those that are far from Torah and mitzvahs completely, non-Jews and people that don't believe in Hashem. And toyim also means even people that are supposedly religious. They study Torah, they observe mitzvahs, but they oppose Rabbein Azal And Rabbein Azal said, as a result of this, these people ended up losing what they lost, tremendous, major losses. And then he said to us, Rabbein Zal says, he said to me and my friend, Rab Naftali, you would have been major, big misnagdim, were it not for Hashem's great kindness that Hashem saved you from being part of the, the opposition. Where if, if, we would have listened to those people, Hasvashan, we would have lost we would have lost our whole future, and then Rabenza said in a, in, a, in a sense in wonderment, "You would have opposed me, me, you would have opposed of mir Voltirgerick you would have you would have argued against against me, meaning expressing wonderment, how what a chiddush this is." that people could could oppose someone who did so much good for Kelal Yisrael and so much for the world. But we see, unfortunately, we know that this is the reality. This was the reality with Yosef HaTzadik and his brothers. This is the reality with Moshe Rabbeinu. Me lonu gadol mi Moshe, Who do we have greater than Moshe Rabbeinu where the Jews saw from the point that he met up with them in Mitzrayim everything he did to succeed in taking the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim. And then in the desert, getting us to Matan Torah Har Sinai, crossing the Red Sea, the miracles we saw there, and then the miracles at Har Sinai, and we see that it was still possible for people to oppose Moshe Rabbeinu, to be choilek against Moshe Rabbeinu, whether it was Dosan Vaviram, whether it was Koirach, whether it was 250 Roshai Sanhedrin, leading rabbis at the time, we see that this is a very, very big test in all the generations for a person to be zoich and not to oppose any tzaddik, and especially not to oppose the tzaddik, upon which the tikkun of the entire world is dependent on. Paragraph Nunalef Hatoira ayei mekoim kevoidoi likut Imran Tanina Simen Yudbeis Chapter 12 in the second half of Likut Imran which begins with the words, When a person chooses to follow their intellect, their own intellect, it's possible for the person to make major mistakes and, and fall as a result of major stumbling blocks. Rabbi Zal says, this chapter of the Ikut was said related to a discussion where Rabbi was speaking to me about different mistakes and, and major things that people end up doing wrong, which comes about as a result of people just following their intellect and not realizing that when it comes to, to Yiddishkeit, a person needs much more than just intellect, to be able to know the right path, a person needs a tremendous amount of prayer and emuna. And then Rabbeinazal mentioned a certain author of Sforin, the author of the Sefer Asoram Amoros, which is one of the highly respected Sifrei Kabbalah, which Rabbeinazal quotes several times in Likut Imran. This is the Ramami Panu, he's called. And Rabbi Nezal said that, unfortunately, he made a major, major mistake by following his intellect regarding a particular issue. The issue being that this rabbi wrote that, based on what it says in the Zohar HaKodesh and in the writings of the Arizal about the beard, how the Zohar explains that the, the beard has 13 tikkunim which correspond to the 13 attributes of kindness of Hashem and the 13 formulas by which we expound the Torah and the Zohar Kodesh and the Arizal reveal incredible deep things about the beard and the peos. So this rabbi wrote that the beard is so holy an item whereby chutzlaretz, those people that live outside of Eretz Yisrael, the land is not on a level to be able to handle the great light of the beard. And therefore, Jews living outside of Eretz Yisrael don't have this requirement of, of not cutting the beard. And now, Rabna, they point out over here, that even though he was definitely not referring to a person cutting the beard with a razor, chas or using a type of machine or instrument that's like a razor, but rather only using mash- a type of scissors or a shaving machine that's kosher, that's, that's within, the, within, the, within the halacha. However, despite this, by this rabbi writing this, unfortunately, he gave encouragement to sinners in, in Germany at that time, who started removing their beard, shaving, using an actual razor. And it's from, from this discussion that Rabbeinazal went into that chapter on the this famous chapter, Aye, Aye Meklaim Kevoidah, chapter 12. And Rabbeinazal completed that entire chapter on Likud And And Rabbeinazal points out that this was, this was a shock to me because I had not yet heard that this great person, the Ramami Panu, that he had made this mistake, that he actually said this. May Hashem forgive him. However, afterwards, I spoke to people who are knowledgeable in Sifrei Kabbalah, etc., and in stories related to them, and they told me that this is a very well-known item. In fact, if you look in Yoredeya, in Simon Kuf Pealef, the laws that speak about cutting the beard and peis, there are some of the commentaries there, quote this, and Rav Zal points out that in addition, in one of the safe one of the Sforim, Be'er Asik, Be'er Asik, which is also one of the, one of the authorities on Halacha, he also quotes this opinion of the Ramah Mipanu. And Rav Zal uses the wording Shtus, the foolishness of this logic this false type of logic. And Rav Zal says, we find that there are many rabbis who already hit him with a hundred whips. This is an expression that's used in the Gemara. <clears throat> Meaning, when rabbis take major, major opposition to someone that some, something that someone says. And Rav Zal points out that from this example we can see how a person's intellect alone can fool a person and a person is not allowed to rely on their intellect when it chas goes against what we see in the written Torah or in the oral Torah even the slightest, slightest iota especially regarding something like this where we see clearly that the Torah writes about this and our rabbis tell us a person chas who cuts the beard using a razor, something like that, is in violation of five different violations in the Torah. And we know it's a known fact. <clears throat> the Gemara mentions this in Kiddushin, page 36, and Rashi in Chulen, page one, page 136, that those laws that apply to the body of a person there's no difference at all whether the person lives in Eretz Royal or outside of Eretz Israel. And Rav Nossel it's possible to find a person that using his logic and intellect, the person will say something that's not true, and this will result in other people using that as a license to go ahead and do things that are definitely forbidden which every author of the sefer should be screaming about this, about that there are people, Jews, who are supposedly religious Jews, who live in Germany and in surrounding areas, that went ahead and started this thing about removing the beard, using a razor, Rahman al-Islam. And Rabbi Asal said about this, that this is something that started recently. It wasn't this way in years in the past. It's more than a thousand years after the Khurban Beis Samikdosh. that's when this thing started about people cutting the beard. Because Rabbi Nezal said even the non-Jews in earlier years never cut the beard. It's only within recent hundreds of years that the Goyim started doing this, and then because we are in exile among them, this led to to the Yetzirah inciting Jews to go ahead and do this also. And it started with some major famous Rishoyim. They were the ones that started this this, uh, style among the Jews. And one person saw another person do it, and then they did it also, to the point where it became as if it's permissible. Rav Nilsen Zal says, as we see today, that there are many people who are actually religious people. We see today that people that are really religious, they wouldn't do this. They don't cut the beard, even in Germany. And even in countries surrounding Germany, it hasn't. this thing hasn't spread as much as it did inside of Germany. It's just that unfortunately it started with major reshoim. They started this, and then unf- what happens is religious people see it, and they get caught up, and they don't realize what the source of this is. And then when they're told that by doing this they're violating five prohibitions in the Torah, they say, no, 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 chas Sham, I'm not using a razor, I'm using powder, shaving powder, or other things, which technically, according to halacha, are permissible. A person who does this does have a permit according to Halacha, but not not according to Kabbalah. Based on the writings of the Zohar Kodesh and the Kisvi Arizal, there it's stressed very, very much that a person should not, shouldn't even trim the beard. But Rav Naseh Nus- Nus- here, but Hashem knows very, very well that unfortunately, many of those people that claim that they're using shaving powder or things like that, it's not true. They're actually using a razor or an instrument that's 100% forbidden. And since even they admit that doing this with a razor is forbidden, that they can't deny, and they know that they know the truth, whether they're doing it in a kosher way or unkosher way, Rav Nassar writes, therefore this is something to cry over and scream bitterly rahman al-islam that such a thing has happened to the jewish people to the point where of nothing's writes it started creeping closer to our country to the ukraine and and jewish communities in that area that again unfortunately there are reshoyim people who founded and promoted the reform movement things like that who who remove from themselves the entire yoke of respect for Hashem—they don't keep kosher, they don't keep Shabbos, and they use a razor on the beard. May Hashem have pity. Rav closes with a tefillah, May Hashem have pity on the rest of Kla Yisrael, and save us with the power of the great tzaddik, the great tzaddikim, and bring Moshiach and reveal the truth to the entire world. Bimheirav, amenu, amen. With this, he concludes this paragraph. Any questions?
1: that yeah. Question
0: raised here now, and again, one of the commentaries in Yerodeya there mentions this, that there were mikubolem that did. Yes. The answer is, it seems, It seems again, that Rabbi Rab took a very, very strong stand on this issue. There are cases, there are cases where there are differences, even among them kubalim, and we see that the Baal Shem Tov, Rabbi Nachman, and, and those that followed that track kept a very narrow position. They weren't interested, you know, the, the Arizal, that's the word of law in Kabbalah. You know, no, there's no, no room for deviation at all whatsoever, according to these opinions. Now, Rabnosan Zal continues, paragraph 52. Before Rabbanazal gave the Shir, chapter 32 in the second half of Likud Imran, which begins with the words, Yesh Tzadikim Genuzin. There are hidden Tzadikim, people who we don't, we don't see openly that they're great Tzadikim, and in fact, they really are. And Rabnosan points out this she'er was given on Shabbos Parshas Yisroy a year and a half approximately before Rabbanazal passed away. And prior to this shear, Rabbanazal told a story regarding the Baal Shemtov that when the Baal Shemtov was visiting the city of Brod, Brod is a very famous city that had many rabbonim. And Nezla, and I'm sorry, the Baal Shem Tov was visiting the city of Brod, and he was being hosted by one of the wealthy people in the city. And people were sitting around the table. There was a large table, and there were a lot of very respectable people sitting around the table. <clears throat> and the Baal Shem Tov sat at the head of the table, and at the other end of the table, there was a Baldarshan. There was a person a speaker, a person who was a a known speaker. And this person was eating an extraordinary amount. And people were watching him a little and they saw that extremely unusual. And people unfortunately sometimes like to have fun at someone else's expense. So they started offering him another plate and another plate and they were doing this, you know, to to make fun of him. He didn't look at that at all. They put a plate in front of him, he ate it. He finished it. And let's say the plate of fish, a plate of fi- a, a plate with a large portion of fish that would normally be shared by two people to, not, not just that, but two people would share one piece of that fish, and, and this this but this darshan went ahead and ate two large pieces of the fish. And then also soup. They they there was like a, a platter of soup that was put out to be shared by a number of people, and they put it in front of him, and he started eating from the from the, the entire bowl. And so to other foods. And each time they give him more and more, only for the purpose of making fun. Then at one point they decided to have real fun and they said to him. Could you give us a Dvar Torah? Could you speak? And their intention was, again, that this would be a, a, a ridiculous joke, that the Baal Shem Tov is sitting at the head of the table, this person is going to give his drusha. This is they, they were doing this just for fun. And this person wasn't looking at anything. They, he, was, he was invited to speak, so he started giving a Dvar Torah. And the people there were sitting there, they covered their mouths with their hands, laughing, they were laughing, you know, at this spectacle, that the Balshamto is there at the head of the table, and he's saying Torah. And at this point, he realized that they were making fun of him because of how much he had eaten. So he spoke up and said, just because a person can't recite Torah, he's not allowed to eat a piece of fish, and then the Baal Shem Tov looked up and he saw the entire scene. He understood exactly what was going on and he got very, very upset at the people there. And he, he listened to the drusha of this Darshan and he enjoyed it tremendously. And he said that this Darshan, the Torah, the words of Torah he's saying over, he received from Eliyuan Ovi, just like Rabbi Shuma Bar in the Zohar Kodesh and other Tanoam in the Gomorrah, at times were given the incredible privilege of studying with Eliyahu and And told this story as an introduction to chapter 32 in the second half of Likut Imran. And Rabbein Esau said that he enjoyed very much the response of this Darshan, that just because a person can't say Torah, he's not allowed to eat a piece of fish, and Rabbi Nezal didn't explain what, what was so special about that, but obviously he saw that in his words there was depth. And then Rabbi Nezal gave this shir about hidden Sadiqim, where Rabbi Nezal says says are these hidden Sadiqim, some of them know wondrous, wondrous ideas of Torah, and yet they're hidden from the world. People don't realize that they're such great Sadiqim. Just like this Darshan, who was a tzaddik gonuz, and people were making fun of him now interestingly it's not mentioned here i believe we're going to have this in another part of of chaim Aran, but i want to include it now also that that sheer that chapter of Likut Imran, zal discusses a question the one of his great students the travat Magid, this rabbi before he came to rabena zal he was a Magid over 80 cities. He would travel throughout the year to 80 different cities, and he was invited to speak, to give musr, in each one of these 80 cities. And he had many students. And this Trophetzal maggid, when he met rabbi Nizal, he was much. the, the maggid was much older than Rabbein And he saw him, and he recognized his greatness, and he said, no more Magid. I'm a student now of this young rabbi. Any of my students that want to come with me are welcome to join. And those that don't want, have a good day. And he became one of the close, loyal students of Rabbein Hazal. And he came to Rabbein Hazal for this Shabbos, and he had a question that had been bothering him for years. The question being, Avram Avinu, Yitzhak Avinu, Yaakov Avinu. The Torah tells us that they were involved in bringing people close to Hashem. Which means... They didn't just give audio Shurim They must have written books. They must have written s'farim on Emunah. Where are those s'farim? Where are all of those s'farim? And I believe, we'll, we'll see it when we come across it inside, I believe he didn't ask the question to Rabbi Nezal. This question was on his mind. He came for Shabbos, and Rabbi Nezal gave this Shir chapter 32, where he goes into an incredible deep explanation as to why we don't have those foreign, Because there are also books, many books of philosophy, written by the Greeks and the Egyptians and all of those, where those books, if they would be in existence, it would be almost impossible for Jews to believe in Hashem. That's how powerful the ideas and the culture was in those books. And therefore, the the books of Kedusha, the sephorim of Avram Yitzhak Yaakov and the other tzaddikim, had to be hidden, in order that those other books should also be hidden. And Rabbeinu connects it to the concept of a soita where we erase a portion of the Torah in order to bring peace between husband and wife. Again, for those who want to know this clearly, it's chapter 32 in the second half of Likut Imran. And when the Trovet Tsumaget heard this, he said he saw mamish fire coming from Rabbeinu mouth, how he was addressing this question and giving a fantastic, clear explanation as to why it is this way. Afterwards, when he went home, he, he, went, he met his son-in-law, who was a great Talmud Chacham. And the son-in-law, when he saw him, said to him the way people usually do: How is your trip? How is everything? So he, he said to him, How's my trip? Why don't you ask me who I saw? And the Torah that I heard, I heard things that people I heard answers to questions that I struggled with for years, and nobody was able to provide an answer. And I got crystal clear, clear answers to the question. Paragraph Nun Gimel fifty three, Rab Noson Zal writes that shortly around the time of Rosh Hashanah, we were once traveling with Rabbeinu outside the city. My friend Rab Naftali Zal and I, and Rabbi told us that he had a dream. And in the dream, he heard them saying that refuah, healing, is only from Hashem. As the pusik says, ki ani Hashem roifecha, because I am Hashem, your healer. And only Hashem can heal. And, and then they said, but who knows if Hashem wants? Who knows if Hashem wants to heal the person? And then one of us, Rab Nasazal says, one of, one of us two spoke up and Rav didn't want to tell us which one of us it was and they said that this pasuk itself proves and shows that Hashem does want to heal because the first letters of Ki, Ani, Hashem, Royfecha are the same as the first letters of the words Amen, Kain Yehi, Ratsoin which is the response that we give when somebody gives a bracha, when somebody gives a blessing, we say, yes, may it be the will of Hashem. So the Rosh Eteva, so these two are the same. As, as we find, this is mentioned in the second half of Likutimran, chapter 42, paragraph 54. Rav Zal says, Rav Zal spoke to us regarding chapter 40 in the second half of Likutimran, which begins with the words, Mi Me a person who knows about eretz Yisroel. she tam eretz Royal. a person who has really tasted what eretz Yisroel is all about, that person will be able to see in a person when they see another person, they'll be able to tell if that person was by a tzaddik for Rosh Hashanah, and Rabbeinu Hal goes into an incredible explanation in that chapter on Likud about what Eretz Yisroel is all about, what Rosh Hashanah is all about, what Sadiqim are all about, showing the connection between all three of these. Now, Rabbein said this shortly before he passed away. This was in Tovkuf Samaches, about two years before Rabbein passed away. Many years before that, he had traveled to Eretz Yisroel. And Rabbein said... I knew about this way back because I, I traveled to Eretz Yisrael and probably before, before going to Eretz Yisrael, I must have had a tremendous desire and yearning for Eretz Yisrael, and I dreamed about Eretz Yisrael. and one time there was a person by me and I spoke to him and I started feeling the tremendous deep yearning for Eretz Yisrael. And then afterwards I asked him if he had been by tzaddikim for Rosh Hashanah. And he told me, yes, that he had been by several great true tzaddikim for Rosh Hashanah. And I realized that because of that I was feeling this tremendous intense yearning for Eretz Yisrael when I spoke to him. And Rabbeinu Sal said to me, Rabbeinu Nasal says, that even though I knew about this years ago, but I didn't know it as clearly as I understand it now, the whole connection. Because then, I I knew just this fact, that by speaking to a person who was by Tzadik for Rosh Hashanah, a person should feel Eretz Yisroel, a person who has a real yearning for Eretz Yisroel. But to know exactly where this comes from, the incredible profound explanation that Rabbi Nezal gives in chapter 40, in the second half of Likud Imran, that I didn't know then the way I know it now, because now I was Zorcha that Hashem revealed it to me in full. The next paragraph, and then we'll take questions, paragraph Nun hey. Rabbi Zal says the same thing is true regarding another topic, which appears in chapter 215, in the second half of Likud Imran, where Rabbi Nezal there speaks... About 24 types of pidyon. Pidyon means a redemption. Whereby, if a person has chas a major decree against them, and they want to remove that decree, they need they need to do a pidyon. They need to do a redemption, which is a type of tzedakah that's given to a tzaddik in order for the tzaddik to use that tzedakah the way, he, the way he understands to use it and to say special prayers on behalf of that person to remove the decree. And in that chapter, in Likud Imran, Rabbein Azal speaks about 24 different types of pidyoinois that are needed because there are 24 courts in heaven. We know that it's brought that Hashem's name, Aleph Dalet Nun Yud, Odoin, which means ruler, and that name, the word Alef Taled Nun Yud is the same letters as the word Dina. The Gemara says Dina Demalchusa Dina. The laws of the government are to be respected. Dina Demalchusa Dina. So the word Dina is the letters Alef Taled Nun Yud, and Alef Taled Nun Yud has 24 different combinations. You can format those four letters 24 different ways. Alef Dalit Nun Yud, Alef Nun Dalit Yud, Alef Yud Dalit, you know, 24, it's called the Chof Dalit Sirufei, Alef Dalit Nun Yud, corresponding to these 24 heavenly courts of judgment. And here also, Rabbein Azal said that he knew about this before he was in Eretz Israel. And in fact, Rab Nasnazal says. I heard this from one of Rabbein students, one of the Chosheva students, who told me that one time his wife was very sick and she was ma- literally close to death. And and Hazal came to him and said to him, run quickly and bring me 24 pedioinos before the decree is sealed completely against her. And he ran and brought a sack of coins... And then a miracle occurred and she got all better. And then afterwards, Rabbi said to return all the money to him except for 24 gedolim, 24 expensive coins. And those 24 coins should be distributed among the poor people. And then Rabbi went on to say that a tzaddik really cannot perform a pidgin unless he's familiar with and knows all 24 types of pidyoinous in order to address the judgments in these 24 different courts. And Rabbein gave an example. Let's say, for example, a person is being summoned to a court in Kiev, and the person takes a lawyer, and he, tell, he, he takes the lawyer in the city of Kamenets. You know, he tells the lawyer to, to, to represent him in Kamenets. How can that lawyer help the person at all to perform any type of pigeon if he, he doesn't even know which court, in which court the person is being tried? And then Rabbi Nezah went on to say that there is a pigeon that's on such a high level that it has the ability to knock out any decree in all 24 different courts. And he spoke about chatzois, midnight, as being an incredible holy time when the avoid of Chatzois can serve as this type of a pidyan hakoilel that can knock out a decree in any and all of these twenty-four courts. And there are other things that Rabbi Nezal said about this, but but Rabbi Nezal said also, he didn't know all the details about this, which he revealed later on in life, that the fact that sometimes even if the tzaddik performs this special pigeonion that that has the that's clear all twenty four quarts, it's possible for the pigeon not to work and for the problem not to be resolved because there are times that in heaven they wait to receive this incredible powerful pigeon and they reroute it to use it for something much more significant, much more important than the particular, specific problem that the person has. For example, in order to bring Geirin to Klal Yisrael, in order for those non-Jews who are qualified to join Klal Yisrael, to be able to join Klal Yisrael, this requires an incredible high-level pidgin, and sometimes Hashem will take a pidgin of this caliber, which a tzaddik could perform, in, in order to, to, because a person has a particular crisis, a, a sickness or something else, and in heaven they'll reroute that pillion to use that energy to be able to bring Geirim into Klal Yisrael. And Rabbein goes on to say that a the, the tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu was able to, to perform this type of pillion because Moshe Rabbeinu stands between the lowest, lowest place and the highest, highest level. The lowest possible place in religion, in Judaism, is Shmad. Shmad means a person who renounces, denounces any connection to Hashem. They want to leave the Jewish people, leave Judaism completely. That's called Shmad. The term lahashmid means to annihilate, to wipe out completely. Shmad is 344, the highest level that a Jew could possibly get to is called Ratzon. Ratzon means where Hashem is completely satisfied with that person. When it comes to all the Korbanas and the Beis Namishkan, and the Mishkan, it says L'Ratzon Hashem, that we're offering these sacrifices as a goodwill offering in order to appease Hashem, in order to find favor by Hashem. The word Ratzon is 346 So Shmad is 344, Ratzin is 346. Between that, we have 345, which is Moshe. Moshe is the Tzadik who is capable of taking people from Shmad, from total disconnection to Hashem, and bring them to the highest, highest level of Ratzin. So Rabbein Azal said, this and other aspects of this topic I didn't know before Eretz Yisrael. I knew about the 24 courts, I knew about the Pidyan HaKol, but I didn't know all of these details until I struggled very, very hard to get closer to Hashem to be able to learn these, these other details. And Rav Nossel says, from this you can have an idea as to how great Rav really was and what kind of a chiddush he was even before he went to Eretz Yisrael that he was a Chad bedor, a one in a generation, because Rabbi Nezal says in that chapter on Likud Yimran that regarding these 24 Pidyoinois, there's one Sadiq in a generation that knows these 24 Pidyoinois. And all of this, he said he understood before he went to Eretz Yisrael. When Rabbi Nezal returned from Eretz Yisrael, he said he's ashamed and embarrassed of the Torah that he knew, the Torahs that he said before Eretz Yisrael. So Rab'nah says, look at what kind of level we're talking about. That before he went to Eretz Yisrael, he said in order to know this information, a person has to be one in a generation. And that's the level he was on before Eretz Yisrael. After returning from Eretz Yisrael, he was ashamed and embarrassed. He He reached such new high levels that he was ashamed and embarrassed of the Torahs that he had before Eretz Yisroel. And in fact, in likud Moran, we hardly have this, maybe one or two Torahs that Rabbeinu said before Eretz Yisroel. And Rabbein says there's a lot to talk about this, how even before Rabbein Hazal went to Eretz Yisroel, he was an incredible chiddish. He was extraordinary, among even among the greatest tzaddikim. And, and yet... Whatever he knew then compared to what he knew afterwards, again, a completely, completely different level. And Rab Nossel says, right, we have no way to describe, we, we cannot put this into words with a pen. Those that understand will be able to get an idea as to what kind of level we're talking about. Any questions? Uh,
1: yeah, well, what means a tzaddik, uh, uh, Amiti, how could you find...
0: Do how do we define a tzaddik amiti to do a pidyon? The answer is that Rabnasanzal, Rabnasanzal himself writes in Likute Tfilos, that that how he he has a tfilah on this chapter on on, on several chapters in the Kutamar about pidyon, And he writes there a tfilah for one who is receiving a pidyon, And he says himself, even though we don't know anything at all about this stuff. And he, he asks, he says, Hashem, please let it be considered this money that a person is bringing me for a pigeon, it should be considered as if it was being given over to those great tzaddikim who know how to do a pigeon. And it should accomplish all the different tikkunim that can be accomplished by that type of pigeon. Now, there's another chapter in the Kutimran, chapter 180, where Rabbein Azal goes into detail about how a pigeon works. That's one of the sources. And the writes about Pidyon also on those are that write about it. But again, there's levels and levels and levels. And
1: interesting that a Pidyon is, takes away the Tzohol has to do Tshuva.
0: This is a very important question that many people ask. <coughs> We're saying that a Pidyon can remove the decree. Everybody knows that a person has to do Tshuva to remove a decree. The answer is both are true it's not necessarily a substitute for tshuva. However, the Torah teaches us that Hashem has given a power to money that because money is something that people kill themselves for, the Gemara says there are people who value their money more than their life. They're willing to jeopardize their life to make money. They're willing to take all kinds of risks, to travel across the ocean, to all kinds of things. The Gemara says, Why does it have to say both? To serve Hashem with your whole life and with all your money. So the Gemara says, because there are some people who value their life more than their money, and there are some people who value their money more than their life. So because money is a person's life, when a person is willing to give that to a poor person, a person is willing to give that to a tzaddik, It's a form of mesiras Nefesh. It's a form of a person dying, experiencing a death, a type of a death. The Gemara says, A poor person is considered like somebody dead. So it's a very, Stukka is very, very powerful. Now again, this isn't a license not to do tshuva. Of course the person has to try to do tshuva. Of course the person has to daven for themselves. But the Gemara says, that if a person has someone that's sick in their family, they should go to a chacham and ask him to be mispal. And we see stories in the Gemara about this. So we
1: see that this is a, a very critical, important piece. So it's basically the deep ways, it's midr connected midr, it's pidron. In a way that it helps. That's one, talking, exactly, talking
0: that's on one way. of the ways that it works. Yeah. That because one of the greatest tithes that people have, because one of the greatest idols is money, the Torah calls it Elile Kesev, Elile Zoav. And we say that all problems that a person has are from lack of emuna. Emuna is the source of all bracha. Ish Emunais Rav Brachais. So the ticket for it is taking the money and, and, and putting it in the, in the right place, in the best place, that kind of thing. We know we have the concept of, of a of a a poor, you know, there's a firstborn, that we're a by using money, this, this child belongs to the kohen, and yet we're able to redeem him and take it back by using a certain amount of money, giving the kohen a certain amount of money, in exchange for receiving
1: the child. Yeah, that's because it is so
0: yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all connected. Mm-hmm. The next paragraph requires a little bit of explanation. I don't want to rush through it. It's based on chapter 266 in Likud mm-hmm. where Rabbein speaks about construction, and he speaks about... <clears throat> The, the pros and cons, the harm that come, can come to a person if a person goes about construction improperly and how, how it could be done properly and the damage, how it harms animals, etc., etc., connected to sukkahs, connected to Mat and Torah, and Yitzh Hashem will take this up in the next year. want to wish everybody a, a good week. We're coming, this is the, the cl- final week of the month of Tevez. We should be zarechah that the month should end with, with good tidings, with good news, with Yeshua's for Klal Yisrael. And be to see that the whole world should recognize the importance of Klal Yisrael, the importance of the true tzaddikim, And the true tzaddikim should affect the pedionists that we need to to remove all the decrees from Klal Yisrael. To be zarechah to the final Gula Shlema with the coming of Moshiach, the Binyan Be'i Bem Hera B'yameinu, Amen v'amen.
1: Man, Amen. Amen. Amen, thank you. Sure. I have a quick question. I'm sorry if it's about a previous Torah. Please, if if you have time, let's hear it. Um. So regarding, uh, I think it was Torah 51, regarding trimming the beard. Um, yes. It seems that different Hasidic groups have different like opinions. I mean, they all definitely are against trimming, but for instance, um, it seems that if like there is, uh, an ailment with your skin or something, I know that there were, being, you know, post show that, uh, you know, for whatever had maybe experiments done to them like this, is there, um. <laughs> is there a halacha that maybe Ravina talks about that if you have such a thing, it's permissible to trim?
0: I'll I'll share something related to it that I heard from my Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld Zuchain of There, there's a we we know that there are different times when when everyone no one is allowed to cut their hair their hair or beard whatsoever, such as Shabbos Yuntif. And one of the times is Cholamoid, Cholamoid, the intermediate time between the beginning and the end of Pesach and Sukkoth. And here in the Shulchan Aruch, there was a group at one point in time, I believe this was in the 1600s, there was an organization, a rabbinical organization called the Vad Arba Arozois, leading rabbis from four different countries that got together. And formed a bezin like a rabbinical court that had incredible, incredible authority, and the question was presented to them about a person who had a certain condition, where it was very much problematic for them if they didn't shave, if they didn't cut off the hair of the the, 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 the I believe it was the hair of the beard at the time, and the question was what to do on chalamayid, and the 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 response was. That in his case, he's allowed to do it, but he has to remain in a room by himself. He's not allowed to go out in the street because of Mara Sain. We're afraid that people are going to see that this person cut their beard on cholamoy. they're going to think it's permissible. The person has to, have to stay secluded for the rest of the holiday completely. Wasn't allowed to engage any other people at the time. That's how strict the law of shaving or hair-cutting during cholamoy is. Now, other times we see, I know that my Rebbe, Rav Rosenfeld, he shaved, he was, he was very knowledgeable in the Zohar Kodesh, the writings of Yarizal, and had tremendous respect and love. But he knew that the mission that he was on at the time, this was in the 1940s and 50s and 60s, when he was doing outreach at the time in America, in New York. And in those days, if he had a beard, he couldn't possibly get into the places that he needed to to be able to do the outreach that he was doing. And therefore, his Rebbe, Rabbi Avram told him that a beard, a beard and payas, is holy. Eretz Yisrael is holy. Hasidic clothing is holy. The mission that you're doing at, currently outside of it is Kodesh Kodoshim, is holier and therefore he told him to continue fa- operating the way he was operating at the time. Now again, he was care- never used the razor, he was careful to use a shaving machine that conformed with the halacha. Here a person has to make sure to consult with religious authorities who could tell the person what's permissible, what's not permissible. But his own sons, Rav Rosenfeld's sons, had beards. And again, he encouraged his students when they were able to, you know, to, to, to have a beard. But this type of thing is something that each and every person has to, has to have a rabbi and has to have who they consult, can consult with based on their circumstances to know exactly how this should apply to them.
1: Mm-hmm. How come the literature, well, Takeda were very into till the to be shaved and then after the wedding? And it's a different. Besides the chasunish, he was exactly. very against sure. the shahoda.
0: Exactly. Someone's pointing out that in the in the Litvish world, many, many rabbis and students, until the wedding, they would shave. They would cut the beard, you know. <coughs> and uh, people that... And, and from the wedding on, they didn't. Again, we're mentioning the fact that there were different opinions regarding this. Rav Nassar showing us that regarding this issue, Rav Nossenzel took a very, very strong stand you know, conforming with the Arizal and the Zohar Kodish and the Baal Shem Tov, and, and and even making it perfectly clear that the, the logic that the Ramah Bipanu used in this case was a mistake. And and again, this is Mufra Benazal saying this, the rabbis during his time, the majority of rabbis during the time of the Ramah Panu disagreed with him vehemently and said, this is a, a terrible mistake. We don't find any source in Halacha that differentiates between Eretz Yisrael versus outside of Eretz Yisrael by these types of mitzvahs.
1: Yes. The
0: Chazainish, we understand, was very firm in this. Yeah, yeah different. We should be to do the right thing, what Hashem expects from us, each and every one of us. Thank you.